0: I'll invite you to open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 17. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find them on page 903. We'll look again today at this prayer that Jesus prays just, just moments before He'll be betrayed and arrested. That night before He would go to the cross to pay the penalty that our sins deserve. And in this prayer that we know is His high priestly prayer, Jesus prays to the Father... On behalf of all of His followers. He prays for His disciples. He prays for the twelve. He, he prays for all those who have or whoever will believed in His name. In this prayer, He prays also for you and for me. And that should be a great encouragement to us. To know that the Lord Jesus Christ prays for us. But what is it that Jesus prays? Well, as we'll see today, Jesus, God the Son, prays to God the Father that the Father would protect His people. Let's look at this passage now. Our primary focus today will be on verses 9 through 19. But I'll begin reading in verse 1 of John chapter 17. Let's turn our attention to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. John records for us, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to those whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's consider one other passage of Scripture. We really won't focus on it in our, ma- in our, in our message, but I still want to present this word to you to again demonstrate you how God is. Is our protector. And that's Psalm 121. If you'd like to follow along, you can find that on page 516. There, the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Pray with me, please. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you especially, God, for for the word that you've placed in front of us today. This word, Lord, that tells us that you protect your people Thank you, Father, for that protection. Show us, Lord, all of the ways that you protect us. Show us of our need for your protection. Thank you, Lord, that our survival doesn't depend upon us, but instead for those whom you've died, Jesus, you have promised that you will lose none. Holy Spirit, enable us to rightly understand and apply these truths that we find in your word. Lord, may we do that this day. May we do that every day. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King and our great High Priest who prays for us. Amen. Well, let's cut to the chase. Here are the takeaways from today's message. Number one, know that God protects you. Number two, rest in the truth that God protects you. Number three, be emboldened by that truth, by that reality, that God protects you. Attempt bold things for the Lord, knowing that He protects you as you do that. And then number four, know that you're protected by the strength and the power of the Lord, and not your own. But also, Recognize this, these things that I have just declared, these things that we have read, these things that I will declare in this next half hour or so, know this, these things are only true if King Jesus is your King. This protection, which we read in God's Word about how He protects His people, this protection is only for those who acknowledge His lordship over their lives and who remain in Him. There's great protection under the wings of the Almighty. But if you leave the Father's side, know that you also leave His fatherly protection. And we need His protection because we would be toast without it and without Him. So in this great high priestly prayer of Jesus, Jesus prays to the Father that the Father would protect his disciples. Why would he need to do that? Because they and we are weak. And because we have enemies. And because without God's ongoing preserving preserving action in our lives, we could fall away. And rather than running towards Him in times of hardship and in our sin and in our fear, we might run instead away from Him. Or we might try to fend for ourselves relying upon our own strength and our own wisdom rather than trusting in and relying upon His strength and His wisdom. Let's consider particularly these first century disciples. These 12 disciples. Although actually at this point in time, remember it's really only 11. Because remember what we read in verse 12. When Jesus said that he had protected his disciples and that none of them had been lost. Except for Judas. Except for this one whom he calls the son of destruction. Friends, you and I would meet that same fate of destruction if not for God's preserving protection upon our lives. Think about these few men. Think about what they're going to experience in just a few minutes after Jesus concludes this prayer. They'll see their Jesus be arrested. Will they be arrested too? They'll soon see their leader, this loved one of theirs. They will very soon, in just a matter of hours, they will see him be murdered in broad daylight. Will they too be murdered? And even if they survive the next 24 hours, and even if they continue to carry on the message of Christ, will they be able to do that well? Will they, will they be able to do that? May they be able to take this message that they have received from their teacher and may they continue to pass that on to others together as one in the manner in which the Lord desires. Now to guide us in our discussion in morning this morning, I'd like for us to consider three questions. Why do we need God the Father to protect us? How is it that God the Father protects us? And for what purpose is it that God the Father protects us? Our first question is, why do we need God the Father to protect us? And in this prayer, Jesus gives us at least two answers to that question. Jesus tells us that that the first reason that we need God the Father to protect us is because the world is against us. And we see that first in, in verse 9 when Jesus says, I am praying for them. And by that he means his disciples. He says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Do you see the distinction that Jesus makes between his disciples and everyone else will see that same sense of distinction in verse 16 when Jesus says that those who trust in him aren't of the world in the same sense that he's not of the world. So on two occasions in this passage, Jesus makes this distinction between those who follow him and those who do not. Now what does it mean when Jesus makes this reference to the world? Does he mean all of the earth? Does he mean the planet? Does he mean all people? Well, that's not exactly what he's talking about. But, but what is it then that he means when he uses this term, the world, in this passage? Well, in this passage, it seems that, that he means those who are opposed to the purposes of God. And we see that in verse 14. Look at that. Jesus, talking about his disciples, prays to the Father, saying, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they, meaning his disciples, are not of the world. The world hates the followers of Jesus. Jesus says in this passage. And in verse 12, we learn that his disciples need to be protected from the world because of the world's hatred of them. That's what Jesus says in in verse 12 when he says, While I was with them, I kept them in your name. I kept them in the name which you had given me. I guarded them. And then in verse 11, Jesus says, Father, I'm coming to you. I'll now be leaving them. And so, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Because Jesus is going back to the Father. He won't be around anymore to protect his disciples. And so Jesus asked the Father to protect the disciples in his absence. Because the world is hostile to them and to their mission. So the world is set against the Lord and His people. But here's something that's so important for you and I to understand. Although the world may be against us, we are not to be against the world. We're to be God's ambassadors to the world, seeking to be a blessing so that those in the world might be saved out of it. By the Father, as well as by our works and by our priestly representatives to them. Look at verse 18. Jesus prays to the Father, saying that the Father sent him into the world. And then he says that in the same way, he now sends out his disciples into the world. And why was it that the Father sent the Son into the world? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son into the world so that whoever should believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And what then does John 3.17 say? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. And so too... Our God-given mission is that we are not to condemn the world, but to show the world and to tell the world about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, Paul says, be reconciled to God. And friends, that's what I do for you right now. If you're not walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and His Father in heaven, I urge you in the strongest possible sense to acknowledge your need for His fatherly protection. Do that. Receive that protection and live. So the first reason that God the Father protects His people is because the world is against The followers of Jesus. The second reason that God the Father protects his people is because the evil one is against the followers of Jesus. And we see that in verse 15 when Jesus prays to the Father, saying, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. Friends, you have an enemy, you have an enemy of your souls. Scripture tells us that our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But how are we kept safe from this evil one? Well, we're kept safe as we put on what Paul calls the full armor of God in Ephesians 6.10 and the verses following that. And as we see in this passage, we're also kept safe from the evil one by God's preserving protection. That then brings us to the question of how does God the Father protect his people? And in this passage, we learn that that God the Father protects his people by his name. That's what Christ says in verse 11. Look at that. There Jesus saying, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. God the Father protects his people through his name. But what does that mean? Well, in Scripture, whenever you see this kind of statement, it's referring to someone's character. And you can be sure that God the Father will protect His people because that's God's character. That's His nature. God saves His people. He preserves His people. He fights for His people. He sends His perfect, sinless Son to go to the cross to give His life as a ransom, to purchase the freedom and the salvation of His people. First John 4.10 For this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is our Savior God. He is our life-securing and our life-sustaining God. And He is the only hope for sinners such as you and I. And there is no life And there is no protection outside of the life and the protection that he gives. So God protects his people by his name. He also protects his people by his word, by his truth. That's what we learn from Jesus in verse 17. And note that that the word of God, the truth of God, Jesus says, is a sanctifying word. It's a sanctifying truth. That's what Jesus says in verse 17 when he prays to the Father that the Father would sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And what does that mean? Well, to sanctify means to set apart. It means to make holy. So what that means is that God's word, working together with God's Holy Spirit, has the power To make one holy. It has the power to save. It has the power to give new life. Just as Lazarus, a man who had been dead for four days, when Jesus spoke to him, new life came to him. And he came forth out of the grave. God's holy word has the same effect upon us. It makes us holy. And the word of God and the truths of God's holy purposes, they become manifest in the lives of his people. God's word and spirit working together continue to bring redemption in the, in the lives of God's people. As together they perform the ongoing sanctifying work, causing the people of God even to be recreated into the very image of Christ, we're told in Romans 8.29. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, God's Word and God's Spirit continue to do the sanctifying work in our lives of, of giving us new desires and new priorities, godly desires and godly priorities. That now brings us to our third question for today. For what purpose does God the Father protect His people And we see the answer to that question in the second half of verse 11 when Jesus prays to the Father, praying, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, so that they may be one even as we are one. The reason that God the Father protects his people is so that they may be one. He protects his people for their unity. And for a sovereign purpose. And that, that reason, that second reason that God the Father protects his people is for the glory of Christ. We see that in verse 10, Jesus prays to the Father, saying, All mine are yours, and, your are, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus receives glory. In and through his people, He receives glory when, when we in the world see people like you and I, sinners, be redeemed from a life of sin, and when we and them see followers of Jesus Christ be transformed by that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit into the very image of Christ. Jesus receives glory when you and I abandon futile, godless ways of living. And when we turn from those ways to God's ways, and when we do that, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are glorified and worshiped. And so here's this question. Is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit receiving glory by the way in which you are living? Do they receive glory from the way in which I am living? Do the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit receive glory for the way in which we live with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ here at Newport Church? Friends, that is the reason why the Father protects His people. And if if He is not receiving that glory in some way through our lives... It's only because of one of two things. Either we're not living rightly as his redeemed people, or it's that we're not among his redeemed people. Friends, look to the Lord. Acknowledge your need for him and ask him to cover you with his fatherly care and with the blood of Jesus Christ. For what purpose does God save us? Well, there's, there's this purpose. Again, the unity of God's people. Remember the context of this passage, of this prayer. Jesus in, in just, just moments will be leaving the world and, and he'll be returning to the Father. Now, of course, he'll be resurrected and he'll be with the disciples for 40 days Following that, but then he returns to the Father. And although Jesus' work on earth is just about to be completed, there is still much Christ-exalting, God-exalting work that is to be done. And it's the disciples, along with the Holy Spirit, who will do that work. But in order for them to have any hope of doing that, they must be protected from their enemies. They must be protected From men such as the very men who lay hands upon Jesus. Those men who hate Jesus because of the words that he said. These disciples must be protected from those men and from all others in the world. They must be protected by the plot, by the schemes of the evil one. And friends, you and I need to be protected from those same enemies in that same way. And as people who have been redeemed by the Lord, as people who are being recreated through this ongoing sanctifying work of God's word and God's spirit, God desires for us to be protected and to also offer protection to one another, to our brothers and sisters in Christ to build one another up, to protect one another from, again, from losing our gospel sanity. And we can protect one another as we encourage one another with the truths of God's Word. And as we pray for our friends, for our families who may not be walking with the Lord. And we pray that they would return to the Lord, that God Himself would cause their hearts to return to Him. That we pray that the Good Shepherd would leave the 99 to go after this one who is lost. God's desire for His church is so that the mission of God would continue. That His kingdom would continue to expand. And that we would make Him known to a world who will be lost and who will die without Him. We are called, as Jesus is our High Priest, we are called also to offer that priestly service of proclaiming the excellencies of He who has saved us out of darkness and has transferred us into His marvelous light. And as we do that, Christ will receive glory. He will receive glory as the Father continues to protect His people. He'll receive glory as God's people, as you and I live together with one another in unity, protecting one another, encouraging one another, building one another up, working side by side, devoted to the Lord, devoted to one another, and devoted to the expansion of the kingdom of God, so that the Father and the Son would be glorified. But friends, in order for us to do that, we need God's help. And one of the ways that the, that the Lord enables us to live this way, to live together as brothers and sisters in Christ in communion, in communion with one another, and in communion with Him, is through this meal which He provides for us. God provides for us. In this meal, in the bread and in the cup, He shows us his provision for sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ given for us. His body broken for us. His blood spilt for us for the remission of sins. God protects us, but never lose sight of this. We are protected by God the Father because once for your sake, God the Father was willing to not protect His Son, but instead, on the cross, He abandoned His Son as His Son was there on the cross paying the penalty for your sin and my sin, paying the death that you and I deserve, the penalty that you and I deserve because of our sin. God the Father removed His hand of protection off of His Son in that moment as the Lord Jesus hung on that cross And cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you removed your protection from me? And friends, he did that so that sinners like you and I might be brought into a saving relationship with him. So that you and I might receive an eternal protection. Pray with me, friends. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that we can rightly call you our Father. And that's only because we have been brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been brought into union with Him. And He is your Son. And because He is now our covenant representative, you have caused us to be made to be your sons and daughters. We are able to cry out to you, Father, protect us. Father, provide that which we need. Just as Lando and Haley's children aren't able to protect themselves, they aren't able to provide their needs. So we, God's children, are not able to save ourselves or provide for ourselves. The stories of Scripture. Lord, is that we need your supernatural provision. We thank you that you have provided that which we need through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that that you have given us what we need through your holy word, which is a sanctifying, life-giving word. We thank you that you have given us your spirit, which which given to us enables us to live more rightly. Your Holy Spirit enables us to say no to unrighteousness and to say yes to righteousness. Lord, build our faith. We thank you for this bread and this cup that you set before us today. Lord, set them apart for your holy purposes, Lord, so that our faith may be strengthened. Lord, so that we might walk faithfully with you for a lifetime. Do this, Lord, we pray. Amen.